Welcome to America's Top Rebbitons. May this class be for Rafua Shalema, for Avigail Devora, Bas Naomi Leia, and also for Mayan Bat Devora Hadassah. If you would like to sponsor a podcast, please email us at atrebitsons at gmail.com. I am so excited to have on today's show, Rebitson Orit Esther Ryder. After being diagnosed with MS, which is multiple sclerosis, in 2006, Rebitson Orit Esther began an intense immuna healing journey. Determined to keep her spirits up, she began learning, writing, and teaching the daily dose of Amuna. This Amuna movement now includes energy medicine therapy and training programs all over the globe. You have truly accomplished so much in your life, and every day you share your wisdom with others. It's really, really amazing. Please tell us more about yourself and what you do. So first of all, thank you, Amuna Vera, <laughs> for you know bringing me here. Um, this is very beautiful. Um, thank you. So yes, my name is Orita Esther Ryder, um, and I've been teaching at the Daily Dose of Amuna.com for over a decade. Um, it's been a it's been a wild journey. Um, definitely been a wandering journey, as you know, the wandering Jew syndrome goes uh, along in my personal life. Um, and, uh, you know, so it really, it really did start from me looking for Amuna and looking for direction and, and seeking out truth behind uh, what I had, what I considered to be one of the greatest challenges that I had gone through with being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And it was, um, it there were really tough times, you know, about uh, 11, 12, 12 years ago, I just made Aliyah. Um, we left America on the brink of bankruptcy and we lost, you know, everything there and coming to coming back to, I had lived here as I was younger, coming back to Israel with, um, you know, so many question marks. I really, really um, was seeking out truth. And uh, thank God I had the right Rebbitsons to also teach me. And, uh, and then it just led me into this beautiful journey of doing um, energy work Um yeah. So uh, that's in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And now that you bring up the energy work, I just want to ask you, maybe you can talk a little bit about the energy work that you do. Yeah. So, so because I came from a completely different background, I mean, I was, I'm a trained chef by profession after I got out of, um, uh, you know, after I got out of, out of high school and, you know, again, I was, I was in high school here in Israel. And, but after I, I left Israel to go to America to pursue my career in culinary arts, you know, that's what I wanted to do. I, I didn't want to do anything else. I, I, I love the idea of cooking. I love the idea of putting on a show. I love the idea of the creative edge and the interaction with people. Um, so, so after doing all of that, and then again, being diagnosed with multiple sclerosis, which really led me on a pathway of saying, okay, well now I can't use my legs. I can't use my hands. I have to now figure out other energies, right? Other sources. Um, you know, my only ability to really give to someone was through food and through my hands and through cooking. It was all through physical realm. And suddenly now, okay, I can't use my body as much because going through two or three MS relapses a year takes a toll on the body. I can't stand on my feet for 18 hours as I used to. Um, and um, so when I started teaching Amuna and women were coming to me and asking me for help, for advice, for Amuna mentoring, for lifting themselves up during tough times and seeing the good and understanding the bigger Amuna picture, I said, okay, so so where do I go? Where do I go from here? I didn't learn psychology right? <laughs> in culinary arts school. I learned how to make a really good, you know, uh, bolognese or you know, mikala. Um, so I really, um, I, I really was looking for a way to be able to help 
um, women in, in, a, in a relatively quick way. And I had a really amazing Rebbitzin friend in Yerushalayim who had a mental health clinic for 30 years. And she, you know, ran me through the ropes and I went through some therapy with her. And um, I just started learning this beautiful energy, you know, all these beautiful energy techniques, which um, what it really means is tapping into consciousness because energy is information. It's raw, it's a raw life force of information that we, um, all have, and it's it's subtle because we don't know where this information is coming from. Suddenly, it's like, oh, where did that idea come from? Right, right. So that's that's what energy is, right? And you know, it just it just pops into your space, um, and it, it just it just fit so perfectly into the whole Amuna perspective because Amuna is this supernatural knowing. It's super conscious knowing that the that things are good at their core. Everything is good. That's what Amuna means. It means I'm attached to the oneness. And everything's good. I don't know what good means. I can't define what good means, but everything's good. Then I know for sure how, how that's going to actually be interpreted into my life, into my pea-sized brain. I don't know, but it's all, it's all good, right? Um, and then energy really helps, you know, it's the way I look at energy, it's like taking a shmata, taking a rag and just clearing off the traumas and the, the fears and the blockages in the brain and all those limiting beliefs that we've been you know, lodged into, which are completely false, you know, you can't do this, you'll never amount to that, or, you know, so on and so forth, that we've heard, or we've just adapted along the way. And it's, it's removing that and then expand, allowing the mind to just expand to that Amuna place of Hashem is you're here with me. And if I'm attached to you, Hashem, then I'm boundless. There's a part of me that's boundless, and, and should never be limiting myself as far as what I could do, what I could achieve, how great I could become. As Torah says, everyone is has the potential to be like Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, like we all have it. So it really fits in hand to hand. That, that's amazing. It's, it's so interesting what you said. And um, I want to ask you a question based on that. I know you, that you just touched upon um, a trauma. And I was actually speaking with the Rebetzin the other day about people who are experiencing depression and tremendous anxiety. And some of it is due to childhood trauma. So I just wanted to ask you, like, if, if somebody has experienced something in the past, whatever it is, some traumatic experience, what can I do or how, how can they use Amuna to move forward from the traumatic experience so they're not stuck in it as an adult or a senior citizen? Right. Um, the million dollar question, right? Um, <laughs> you know, I feel like there's one soul power that we have not, have, we're just starting now, I want to say, to start con starting to connect to. And that's um, coming out in the epigenetics and, you know, energy psychology world. And that is the power of imagination. Wow. It's called in, in Hasidut language and Torah language, the ability to use your dimyon, use your power of imagination, of imagery, guided imagery, and to close your eyes and to see things differently. And there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot more hype going on around it, which is amazing. So always be careful, you know, where you're getting, you know, these imaginary thoughts, are they coming from the dark side or, you know, the, the good side, the light, place filled with light. But if you use it properly, and, and again, it has to be, you have to be trained with it. You know, there's something that I also do teach, you know, with all my programs is if you know how to tap into it correctly, um, using the power of imagination enables you to actually see things change in the power of your mind. 
And because it's above the sechel, it's because because it's above the 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 brain and the logical box, right? The boxed in limit limited brain. You're already in super consciousness. You're already more in the keter space of energy above your head, which means, and that's where koch madame is. It's it's above because you're able to actually imagine things just like when we're sleeping. We have koch madame. That's how come you were able to go through 10 years of life in, in three seconds while we're sleeping, right? Right. So the idea, right? And, and it feels so real, doesn't yes, it? Yes, very you, real. You know, yeah. right? How How is the biochemistry change? Or even have deal, right? Watching a movie, right? We see how our biochemical changes when we're able to sort of visualize and put ourselves in certain places, but it's not real, right? That's why in a way that movies are dangerous because you watch it and your body doesn't know how to interpret whether it's real or not, it's fully in that emotional state of what it's seeing on the screen. So we can use that though for the purpose of elevation. So in other words, I could see myself now in the situation, let's say of trauma. Now, again, I'm just giving it to you more like superficial, but it, it requires a lot of training and, and you know we have to really pull it apart. But just to give you an idea, you know, we could see ourselves in the trauma or whatever it is that we, you know, we, we went through. And, and now we have to be able to see it from the adult eyes, you know, or from the futuristic eyes, right? We, you know, in other words, we see it the way it was and we recognize the limiting beliefs that came from it and the limiting perspective that we, you know, ca came from it because at the time we were either lacking parts of the picture, um, we were lacking certain parts of self that we, you know, we weren't able to actually put it together. But now if I lift it up in the, in the place beyond the box, right, and that place called power of imagination, um, and bring Hashem's light into it, which is really using energy and Amuna together, then we're able to actually lift it up to the point. And, and this, is, this is the third step in the three-step transformational proce process that the Baal Shem Tov teaches us, which is submission, separation, and sweetening. And ultimately, the goal is to take every um, limiting, um, I want to say, experience that's stuck in the darkness, that doesn't have enough light of clarity of the truth or why, so to speak, or what to do with what we went through, that painful situation, and to bring it to the light, lift it up, and now let me use the power of imagination to take that trauma, take that fear, and let me see what I could build from it. What can I make from it? And that's essentially that third process of sweetening. I jumped ahead, but essentially, if you go when you go through that process, you're able to see a lot, wait, like bittersweet chocolate, right? So it's bitter in the beginning, but you get the sweetness at the end. And then you're like, I would never pray for it. I'd never want to go through it again. I wouldn't invite it into my life. But you know what? Now that it's here, let me already utilize it as a springboard and see how, how high I could jump and how, and how much I could lift others while I'm jumping, right? Right. That makes sense, right? Because you can always use your own uh, hard, difficult, challenging experiences to help others with it you know, others who are going through the same exact thing. That's, that's one of the divine, so to speak, thoughts. When he thought this situation for me into my life, that was one of the things he was thinking of is she's now going to be able to, as she elevates herself and she's able to lift herself from the darkness and she's redeeming all those parts of self, um, you know, of darkness of herself, and she's transforming it into light. What do you think she's going to want to do? She's going to spread that light out all over the place. 
100 people are, are going to be magnetized into her life and she's going to be able to be you know that channel of light that's godliness that's what god wants he wants to be mashpia tov he wants to influence for the better so now you see how you become godly it's just a matter of changing it through the power of imagination Say, okay how can i use this to bring light into the world right what can, can i teach it can i go after can i volunteer you know what what can i use it for Right, exactly. There's no end. People could be really creative with how they use it. And you could be that, you could go to that creative end in your imagination. Right, right. Amazing, amazing. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, you know, we, we started off talking about uh, Amuna. I want to explore the power of Amuna. Can you please talk to us about what Amuna is and how the notion of Amuna can actually alter our mood and help us gain a clearer and more positive perspective on life? That really ties into what we were just saying. So first of all, what is Amuna? Amuna means the power of oneness. Amuna means that deep within the recesses of my memory bank and in my gut, in my kishkas, I remember that I'm never alone. I know there's an impression of a memory of a time in my soul's experience and my en the engine of my life is my soul. So my soul is within and there's a memory there. There's an impressionable memory that lights up my life every time I feel like this is really dark here. <laughs> and we were able to awaken that by remembering that there's a God. It it's, requires remembering. It requires awakening the memory of, you know, the, the, the material that I learned through Torah, through classes, through books, whatever it is, through my friends, um, and, and allocating those resources back to remember that um, that there is light, there is light in this place. And the only way that I know that there's light and that there's goodness in this is that I attach myself to the source of good. Amuna means I'm attached to the oneness. Who's the oneness? Kulotov, he's all good. So if if I'm attached to a, to a pipe, through a pipeline to the all good, the source of all good, that means good is pumping through me. And I have the ability to now tap into that into that oneness, that one source, everything comes down from that one source in the form of good. And the fact that it trickles down and sometimes gets into a roadblock or an accident in the pipeline chain and in the intersections, like cars, you know, you have, God forbid, no one should get into accident, you know, we have a destination, we wanna get there. And along the way, there's construction, there's, you know, detours and such. That's what happens along the pipelines. God sends down only good. Only good comes down and along the pathway somehow or another, and I'm, it's too complicated to get into right now, but along the pathways, it ends up falling either through the wrong pipelines or the wrong hands or into a broken vessel, one or, one or that and more. And so the way I interpret it is it being difficult. So what I have to do is I have to repair something. I have to either go back and travel back up through those broken lines to make my, my way back to the understanding that this is good, reminding myself that there is a way to retract back and kind of re rearrange what, what I'm going through in my mind. But Amuna means I have that ability to do that because I'm always being fed through this funnel of light. I'm always being fed light. So that's in a nutshell what you know Amuna means. Amuna means I'm attached to, to the one who's my father who loves me, just like, you know, you see what's on the background of the three steps, the four steps. That's, that's what Amuna means. It just means I just know everything is good. Again, I have to be humbled enough to say, I don't know what that good is. My definition of good and your definition of good and everyone's definition, it's completely different. For some people, good is, are you kidding me? That's good. Yeah, you know, it's very subjective. 
but there is an objective, absolute reality of good. And all we do is pray that Hashem be compassionate enough, you know, he is, could be compassionate so that we could see the revealed part of the good, that it shouldn't be under, like, you know, you have this beautiful, you know, gorgeous present that you got is boxed and boxed and boxed, right? How can you appreciate it? It looks like a cardboard box. But we have to recognize that everything has to be opened, 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 opened until we get to it. And that requires work. And it requires a Muna to remember that there is, you know, good hiding along the way. So um, hopefully I kind of answered both in the same thing. What is a Muna and how to use it and how to, you know, extract the energy of it into your life. Yes, no, that's for sure. Definitely. And I, I like that the, the power perspective of seeing of seeing the good, even in a situation that doesn't automatically seem good. But if you unwrap and unwrap and unravel, you like if you dig deep enough, like almost like in a diamond mine, I mean, it's gross, it's dirty. And you keep digging and digging and digging. And then finally, you find this teeny tiny diamond nugget that's worth, you know, how many millions of dollars? You know, it's that that's your riches right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes, you know, they say sometimes you have to go really, really down in yes. the dumps to find something very beautiful and precious. The, the key here is awareness to say, you know what? By golly gee, there is something good here. I want to know where that good is. There's a diamond in the mud. Right. Are you not willing to get your whole body dirty to go in that mud and get that diamond? Do you, are you going to complain about cleaning that diamond off? No, you've got something so profoundly valuable there. That's exactly what life is about. It, literally to the T. Amazing. So amazing. Um, and, you know, I want to read in your background because some people are going to be listening to it, listening to it on the podcast. So I just want to read. Um, so in the background of Orit as a writer, she has a poster that says, number one, it's all from Hashem. There is purpose. Number two, Hashem is my father. He loves me. Number three, it must be good. My ultimate best. And when our heart is calm, your mind can think and say, what is the message Hashem is sending me? And that's also super key. Once you, once you get the diamond, you're like, okay. And then you can see like the message that he's meant that, that you, you've gone through so much, all the mud, all the challenges, all the hard times. And then you see why you see what it was all worth. Right. And, and we always have to remember we're doing very important, awesome work. And, you know, the food Sarah Agra with the, with the difficulty, comes the reward. We're, yeah. The reason why we're going through such difficult times is because there's awesome light that's coming out of it. And so the greater the the amount uh, of beautiful beautifulness and, and brilliance that's going to come out of our work, that's how much measure to measure there's so much dirt that it has, to, you know, it's like hidden, you know, you're not going to just take your diamond ring and just yeah, what are you going to do? You put it in a nice velvet box. And you know, I love the way we put it in a cushion as though the diamond feels anything or the ring feels <laughs> anything and make sure it's nice and comfortable in that velvet box. Right. right. And then what do you do with that? You don't just leave the box hanging around. You put it in another gorgeous jewelry box and that jewelry box might even be in a drawer. And you, and that's exactly the way, you know, the mindset of the Muna is, is that it's so precious. You want to keep it and make sure it's safeguarded. Hashem gives us his light. There's nothing like it out there. And so, of course, he's going to hide it under certain, you know, difficult circumstances and such. But if you if you believe, what is a Muna? It's another word for a Muna is ne'emanut, loyalty. If you're loyal to know 
that I am here on a mission. I'm loyal to you, Hashem. I know that you put me in this universe, all of us, every single one of us listening out there. We've all been put into the universe. Hashem invested his life force in us, the energy in us. And so if I know I have this awesome tafki that I recognize that, yeah, it might be very hard, extremely painful, anguishing. It is hard. But if I'm recognizing that there's something amazing waiting inside this challenge, it takes a whole new perspective. Amazing. Wow. It really, it really, really does. And it provides people with hope. It really does. Sure. Um, um, and so talking about Amuna, I know that like, I guess one step a little bit deeper into Amuna is Bitahon. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about what Bitahon is. Right. And that's exa- you explained it beautifully because that's exactly what it is. You have to first be in a place of Imuna. What does it mean, Imuna? It means I, I know one thing. I don't know a lot of things, but there's one thing I have centering around my knowingness. And that, that, that again, there's a God. He loves me. He's only once good for me. And that's the belief that I have roaming around my brain, right? Once I know that, Right. Once I know that it comes from a belief, but I have to implant it and, and allow that to be a knowledge within me. That's called dot that Amuna becomes my dot. Now I know it. Once it becomes dot. Now I start to feel it and I, it consoles my soul, my uh, my heart, my emotions, my turmoils, my you know madness, if we want to say it, my emotional storminess. Now that drops into the last place in what we call consciousness of body of our spheres, and that's the mode of action. What does that mean? It means from that knowingness, first I started off with an empty mind where I, I let go of all my limiting beliefs. I, I, don't, I don't believe anything that I used to believe anymore. And I allow all those limiting beliefs of this is bad, this is horrible. I don't have the strength to do this. All those mind, you know, limiting beliefs that we unfortunately go straight into. And now I, I, I just vacate it. I go into Timsum. I, I vacate it. I constrict it. And I, and I let it dissolve. I, I just, it's not there anymore. Again, it's, it's a whole process, but I'm just explaining it basically. Now the only, now there's a lot of room in my brain. Once I get rid of the limitations, what's there? All possibilities. The oneness, the oneness of Hashem, I'm connected to him, his light, his love, his plan of only giving me good. That eventually again drops into my heart. And now that begins to now create a new sense of feelings. That's part of the Chabad program, right? That goes into the heart. And then once I start feeling differently, now I can act differently. And that's what Bitochon is. I'm so sure. I'm so sure that there's good here. I'm so sure that there's something way beyond my ability to understand that I can now actually go about my life from a different perspective. It's an, it's a sensory Amuna process. I actually sense it in my body to the point where it actually affects the way that I interact with people and with myself and with the circumstances of my life. So it's a growth that comes out of the Amuna. That's wow, what the really is. It almost sounds like Bitahon is an embodiment of Amuna. Oh, I like that word. I <laughs> like, I'm going to adapt that word. It's exactly what it is. Very yes. nice. Um, and I know that you teach many beautiful workshops about Amuna energy that are geared to provide people with the skills they need so they can heal their personal wounds and emotions through energy therapy, as we were talking about earlier. Is there maybe a skill or two that you can share with us so that people can begin their journey to healing today? Um, yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, we can go back to the basics. Um, because so when I teach, you know, energy therapy at the base level one, the beginners program, one of the first things and the, the actually the first class that I the introductory class is actually on the website. So people can actually watch this, the whole class for free there, um, the two hour class. But one of the first things the first day of the training, what I teach, um, you know, the students to do is to put them, first of all, to see themselves as an energy body and not to see themselves from a place of their physical biochemical body, physical place, to see themselves as a silhouette of light, because that's really, that was our original form. We were downgraded, right? We were downgraded into a physical body. That's like a deg degradation of self because of the sin, right? In Gan Eden. But really, hiding um, within and also exuding out, there's all this light that we're really, you know, that that's the energy, light is energy, energy is light. And so I teach us to, you know, envision and bring to mind in front of us, a vision of self in the form of a silhouette of light. And then to, um, again, using the Koahamadama, close our eyes and see, we do more than just that, but again, for the purpose of here, um, to put protective shields around us, right? So, and to really like, uh, and so many women use this and, and they really make this their daily regimen and their tefillah even. They just see themselves as this beautiful silhouette and ball of light. And they just see themselves being like inside a Merkava, a three-dimensional Magen David. And, and just see themselves feeling the protective energy of, and we know the Magen David is Magen, a safety for David, David Melech, when he would go out to war. And, um, and after, you know, you can, you can literally bring to mind what we say before we go to bed uh, in the Shema, right? From the right, Michael, left, Gabriel, in the front, Oriel, in the back, Raphael, and on my head, right? The, the, the spirit of, right? Shrinat El. And you can just bring that to mind. So you're here, you are, your beautiful silhouette, your gorgeous energy body, you're embedded in this gorgeous light of, of a Magen David encompassed with gorgeous expansion of light within the Magen David feeling very protected and use this as a spiritual practice to daven to Hashem while we're doing this. And then on top of that, we don't paint angels, but pillars of light, four pillars of light. On my right, I do a pillar. On my left, I do my pill, a pillar of light. The right, you know, in front of me and in the back of me. And then I see everything exuding outward, right? From the head, the Shrinat El, everything starts to really like, and, and just see yourself from that place of just light and light and light and protection of light that Hashem sends down. I feel like that's just such a gorgeous validating process to go through on a daily basis. Like who wouldn't want to make that part of their life, right? It's so beautiful and it's so soothing and calming and just so uh, protective. You feel so yes. protected. For sure, and it works and it works. It's not just a placebo. Right. Remember, the power of imagination in general energy work, it's not placebo, it's real. It's There's real. information that we can implant and open ourselves up to believing and trusting. And then it becomes that voice. Instead of hearing the other limiting voices, now I'm suddenly hearing the real voice, the voice of me, the light filled me, which is phenomenal. That's how real change happens. It's so special. It's so special and so powerful. Um, so I want to ask you one last question because I love true anecdotes because I learned so much from them and I do, I feel like others really do too. Would you be able to maybe share a story or two either from your own life or from the life of someone you know 
that exemplifies Amuna? I'm going to tell you who my, my hero is. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go straight to the Torah because for me, this is, this is Amuna. Um, so there's actually two people that come to mind that in my opinion, really show the epitome of what Amuna living is. Um, I mean, I'm sure that there are stories in my everyday life, but if I really want to take energy and, and, and mentorship from anybody in terms of Amuna, I think of these two people. The number one person is Nachshon ben Aminadav. We just read in Parashat B'Shalach, right? Mm -hmm. How he, he stood in front of the sea. And I, I always imagine, because it's not just a story. This is real stuff. He's standing in front of the sea and he's like, um, anybody? <laughs> There's a sea here. We're being told to walk across the sea. And Moshe Rabbeinu was like, hmm, um, not to the right, not to the left, not to the back. Okay, charge, you know? You see these cartoons and it really does. It makes you in a, in a humorous way. But I mean, I could just imagine though, the awesomeness of that moment where Nachshon says, I heard Moshe Rabbeinu, he's my leader. I heard, I have to go forward. And I don't know nothing else but what I'm hearing. And yeah, okay, today we can say, you know, we're not on psychedelics, right? So we can't say we hear the voice of God per se, but we all do hear the voice of God. We really, really do in a very different way through the magazines that get sent to our door, through the books that ha we happen to pick up at the bookstore, through the classes we happen to have stumbled on, through the friend friend's words that we happen to have told us about, these, this is the way God speaks to us. He doesn't put out a loud, hello, you know, like that's not the way he talks to us. He talks to us through the circumstances and the people in our, in our lives. So for me, he taught me in this, you know, instance that no matter what it is that you see in front of you, even if it looks death and daring in front of you, if you really know, and all the circumstances are heading and telling you move forward then move forward. And you know what? Suspend, again, the limitations and the logic and all the boxed-in thoughts and just recognize if this is really, your rabbis tell you, I don't know, you, 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 know, you listen to, you, you read into the Yigrod Kodesh of the Lubavitch Rebbe, whatever it is, move forward. You're just going with, you're going with the moon. Of course, I don't want to say everyone, okay, well, I'm just going to jump over the bridge. I mean, again, we're using logic here. I, I don't know who's listening here. You know, I don't want to make it seem like just go on a leap bound. Obviously, there has to be that sensibility. But overall, we all know inside of us that, that you know, what is the right step to take further? And the second the second person who's a hero in my in my eyes that epitomizes also Amuna, I mean, complete Amuna is the heroine and her name. And this, you know, this is a name that many people do not know about, um, but the mother of David Amelech. The mother of David Amelech, her name is Nitzevet Bat Adael. And many people don't know that that's her name. Um, you know, we, we don't hear the names sometimes of the beautiful mothers and, you know, uh, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But when I read up more about who she epitomizes, she really epitomizes the idea of strength and amuna for 27 years. The reason why her name is Nitzevet is because she stood like a pillar in front of her son, on the side of her son, in back of her son, all around her son. And she would peek through the latest and she would, you know, you know, constantly look and, 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 and seek him out take care of him in the sense of sending him, you know, loving energy of a mother who loves her son. 
And she waited for that moment of truth, for the truth of his existence and all that surrounded her conception with him to finally become truthful and, 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 and revealed for all, for everyone to see. And I just, you know, again, we read these stories and I always say, we know the end of these stories, right? Rachel Imenu, she did not know she was gonna end up marrying Yaakov Avinu. From her perspective, she's marrying Esau. Leah to Yaakov or the other sister goes to Esau. Can you imagine what she was giving up? Talk about, a, you know, a, a, a leap of, a quantum leap of Amuna, right? So for me, um, I, I, this is what is running through my blood. This is the DNA we all inherited. Yes. You don't have to go far. You just know that they've gifted us with this ability to go beyond the logic. They've gifted us with the ability to wait for that moment of truth to be revealed to every single one of us. And in my opinion, um, that, that speaks real leaps and bounds to me. That, that um, it really is where I go. When I get down, which we all do, I think to myself, I, I do use the power of imagination. I, I think about Nitzavit. What an unbelievable mother, 27. And she didn't know, again, she didn't know the end of the story. She didn't know that, you know, she, he was going to be anointed to be king. Right. Boy, I think to myself, wow, what a moment for her. What a moment. And that's our loving God. He says, you believed in me. You trusted in me. You acted upon that belief. Now I'm going to show you how that comes into fruition, revealed in your own lifetime. That's the vessel that builds the ability to receive that which you believed. Isn't that gorgeous? That is wow. <laughs> that's that's amazing. Uh, it's it's our inheritance. Like it's in our blood. Like you said, it's you know we have it. You don't have to look so far. You don't have to climb any mountains. You don't have to take lots of buses. It's there. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, amazing. Thank you so much, Rebetzin Orid Esther, for joining us in America's Top Rebetzins. It was really amazing to have you here. And may the learning we did today be for the Rafua Shalema, for Abigail Devorah Bat Naomi Leah, and also for Mayan Bat Devorah Hadassah. Thank you so much again.